This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I understand you're going to do this podcast on the move, mobile podcast. I'm, that is correct. I'm doing this one on the move. I'd, I'd love to say this is the first time we've ever done this, except that we've had guests in the past who have ridden uh-huh, bikes uh-huh. through the street of Amsterdam whilst we're doing podcasts. So I'm just uh-huh. adding to that lovely mix, but I'm doing it American style, which means. Okay, okay. Hard. Mobile <laughs> podcasting. You heard it here. Uh, the <laughs> You've heard it. Okay. The, the, who is the lovely guest we have today that we'll be enjoying this mobile podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> so today we've got AJ uh, Panwar today. Uh, so AJ uh, has a lot of experience in, well, engineering and, and specifically for medical devices. And uh, he's been, uh, well, he's a, he started as a quality engineer uh, and then later on worked as a, a senior engineering supervisor design quality. Then he worked at engineering program manager. Uh, then he was at Medtronic, where as a global innovation fellow, uh, and now he's a senior engineering manager, at design assurance. We have to uh, specifically say that he's speaking here. He's here on his own behalf, speaking as AJ at this at this moment. And so, welcome to the show, AJ. <laughs> thank you, Joris, and thank you everyone for having me here. You know, for somebody who's not initiated or anything like initiated in making medical devices and things like that especially using additive. I mean, there seems like every day there's a new startup doing new, you know, new exciting things. So first of all, is it hard to do additive and medical devices? Is it, is it difficult to make something, you know, with that kind of quality and that kind of consistency using our technology? Um, yeah, that is, that is correct in general. Um, I mean, I think I'll, I'll take a step back explaining what kind of uh, challenges the medical device faces. Um, as, as you might probably have heard or, or know about, medical device goes through a lot of uh, testing, right? I mean, there are some design control process that we need to follow in order to develop a safe and reliable medical device. Um, and then it goes through the rigorous testing. Um, so I think the challenge with additive manufacturing is that uh, maintaining that consistency and then uh, maintaining the reliability of the product that is coming out of it. Uh, that is that is pretty challenging um, task already, uh, but making it in one get-go and then making it in small batches is always going to add a little bit of more challenge uh, to like what you are doing on uh, and how you would maintain the quality so it does not impact the long-term result or the safety profile of the device. Um, so that is where the challenges are mainly we saw. But there are other applications where we use 3D uh, manufacturing, additive manufacturing in other terms uh, to kind of like expedite some of the supporting tasks that is needed for medical device. What's for that? medical devices especially, like I know there are differences between exterior devices and interior devices. Is it less of a challenge when it's, you know, something related to a prosthetic per se? than something that's going to be implanted into the human body as a result? Uh, like, is yeah. it more acceptable to have more variation and therefore it's easier to do something in that nature, 3D printing? Yeah, that is that is very correct. So let's 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 talk about a couple of uh, medicine applications, uh, right? I mean, uh, one of them is surgical instruments. 
Uh, I mean, surgical instrument is very common, but yet important thing in, in, in the surgery. Uh, I mean, they are like needle driver, hemostat, scalpel handles, uh, things of that nature. Um, and if you think of, I mean, those are actually considered the best friend of a surgeon because, I mean, a surgeon needs to, uh, I mean, use them based on their ergonomic needs, right? And their handling skill. Sometimes most of the surgeons are actually very picky on what kind of tools they want to use and how they should be looking like. So the regulations on those two links are a little less complex. And that area actually provides a greater opportunity um, to kind of like scale it in, in that manner. And the other side, which you said, uh, which is like an implantable device, right? An implantable device is something that uh, stays inside the human body, um, right? I mean, that area is pretty challenging because that would require a long-term stability and reliability of the product. And that goes through kind of like, I mean, uh, self-life testing, uh, accelerated aging testing, right? But when you are only producing one or two units, I mean, every unit could have the potential of variability when you are producing through 3D manufacturing. Uh, that adds all those variability and it's very, very tough to control those. And thus, I mean, that area is still uh, kind of like far away in terms of realizing and then started using into, into, into medical devices. Uh, prosthetics is another important thing that you mentioned, uh, which is which is exterior, right? I mean, prosthetics is actually seeing a lot of benefits through additive manufacturing because you can produce one-to-one -one model of a patient hand. So think about it, right? I mean, you need a prosthetic and then there's something that is uh, out there in the market is not customized to your need. Uh, and in order to make a customized one, it costs um, a lot of money um, uh, in, in simple term. Uh, but then what the patient would need is, is based on their kind of like ergonomics, based on their need. Um, and the cost tied to 3D printed uh, customized prosthetic is actually way lower. Um, and the, again, regulations tied to that is also a little bit less strict. So those are actually feeling much more of a benefit of 3D compared to the other area, which I talked about. And do you think, I mean, clearly the benefits are worth it because a lot of people are working. Well, the benefits are worth it clearly in orthopedics, right? I mean, there is a high variability, but, uh, you know, but, but for orthopedics, it really makes sense. Do you really see this 3D printing thing kind of moving towards like many more things in orthopedics, like more like, you know, I think, you know, certain things are really obvious, like orthopedics, trauma, uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some surgery giant. Do you really think it's going to go much beyond that? Or, or do you think it's really going to be, 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 be have its own little island inside uh, the medical device community? Yeah, there are, there are areas, right? I mean, the way we characterize this is like, there are surgical instruments that, that I talked about, which are the tools that, uh, that a physician would use. Um, and then there are prosthetics. Um, and the one that you talked about just now is orthopedic implants. So orthopedic is another very critical field. Um, and the reason being is uh, it, it has seen some of the lower long-term performance rate um, because the orthopedic is something which would require, like how does it fit in the, in the human body? And uh, it is based on each person anatomy, like how much and how easily it's being adopted by your body. And actually, I mean, most of the time, or if it's not, if it's not most, but Sometime it requires revision. Basically, you need to readjust it, or you need, you need to replace it. There had been some some infection happening because of some chemical which is not suitable to one person, or the material is being leaching out. Something is happening, right? Uh, but then, I mean, keeping that in mind, 
um, the the joint replacement, knees and damaged bones are are being greatly benefited by additive because then you can customize to that patient need and then provide that service. But again, I think there is still still a good runway to really get there. But the other area that we can talk about is is uh, is the uh, anatomical model, and that is one of the area uh, where I worked on. And that anatomical model is basically uh, to analyze a medical device. Uh, think of uh, a complex anatomy where you are trying to deploy a medical device in, inside of the human brain or even the human heart. I mean, sometimes the vasculature is very, very complex in nature. You would want to really replicate and figure out how can you really get to the location which you are targeting to. And by designing this 3D printed anatomical model, uh, it will help you to practice and deploy your device, like devices before you launch in the market um, and then pretty much provide that, hey, this is how you would do it, right? Because the anatomical model that you typically use are pretty standard. I mean, you can design one, but that takes longer. Uh, but this customized and specific anatomical model will help you um, with the devices deployment. It will also help with the physician training on how to really how to really implant this thing, how to really deploy this thing in the human brain, how to really get to the uh, certain positions which are very, very tough to difficult. I mean, tough to get there. And then some areas are uh, even, even like very, very tiny in terms of your blood vessels where uh, you can't even reach without navigating through a certain system or without applying through some, some forces to really get there. So those things you can practice ahead of time and then you can actually validate and verify those ahead of time before you can launch your product. So that area is, is something uh, which is evolving and which is very, very uh, great in terms of how you reiterate your device, how you design your device, and how do you uh, launch the product with all the safety margin that you have already built on. And that actually helps in reducing the field complaint or any kind of like negative impact on the patient, right? So those are one of the greater benefit of 3D that we are currently realizing pretty pretty heavy. Oftentimes when we're talking about regulations, I, I feel we're overly emphasized on the U.S. regulations. Are we are we always? I mean, are they pretty comparable between like EU versus U.S. and and stuff like that? Um, in terms of regulations, I think um, I mean it depends on the like devices, what kind of experience. Um, the regulations has uh, with, with that kind of devices in US. I mean, US has FDA um, and then in EU, like EU, it's, it's uh, EU MDR, right? Currently and pre, like before that it was EU MDD. Um, so, I mean, the regulations are kind of like depend on uh, what level of uh, predicate device experience they have um, and how you are ensuring the safety and reliability of the product as you are launching the product in the market. Uh, I mean, with this specific technology, I'm pretty sure, I mean, the regulators, uh, I mean, there are some regulatory challenges because this is something new, right? Uh, because you would have to validate the entire equipment that is producing the product. So think about, you are not validating the product, you are actually have to validate the product and then you have to have specific controls around it. So CGMP, which is, uh, uh, I mean, which is current good manufacturing practice, it's little tough to achieve in this situation, but again, it's not impossible, but these are some of the learning curve the regulatory bodies um, have to go through along with all the medical device manufacturing to really kind of like scale it up at a bigger level. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting is CGMP is, well, so it's basically, it's like the lowest basic standard, right? I mean, you can't make a medical device or can't even make a food thing. I can't even make a Mars bar without doing uh, uh, some kind of GMP standards mm-hmm. and stuff. But I'm just seeing like there's very few software or there's very few devices and 3D printers that are conformed to these CGMP kind of things or that have uh, really been uh, designed to really work in these CGMP environments. Does that really deter your work? Would it be much more advantageous if you had more printers that were outfitted for that kind of a devi- environment or not really? Um, I mean, it does. I mean, you are right. I mean, there are there are very few which, which actually fits it. And like you said, I mean, it's kind of like the basic standard, pretty basic standard because everyone tried to do more than what is needed to really, really have a safe device, right? Um, so, I mean, it, it, it does have an impact, but like I said, I mean, think about, I mean, having a validating an equipment versus validating actually a product that is coming out of it, right? So that, that makes a huge difference and that's where it differentiate on how you are controlling the quality. So at the end of the day, I mean, the bottom line is how are we ensuring um, the, the safety profile of the device and the long-term reliability of the product. Um, that, is, that is very critical to the regulations. And that is where it comes in the picture on, okay, how, how are you following the quality management system to ensure your devices meet um, the, the output, uh, meet the specified requirement. And uh, that is what we need to control. That is what we need to really understand. Uh, before we can launch any medical device, I mean, regardless of it's 3D printed or any other, right? So it should follow the same norm. And I don't expect those norms to change just for 3D printers, right? Because again, the end result needs to meet the safety. That is the end outcome, uh, What like what we hope for. And then also, we all talk about personalized medical devices, but then also the regulators have said some really weird things about that as well. I'm a weird, like, I mean, yeah. the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the FDA is not per se weird. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, it's interesting how they look at it because like for a time uh you know people were saying like oh you could just like get the 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 the, the you know the thinnest and the thickest model or that kind of thing and then and then and then it's fine right but now they've also said that they've, they've kind of really sharpened these rules is, is that you know you think that's good that the people are being really kind of they seem to be quite worried about this whole personalized medicine thing or they want to do it really well let's say right mm-hmm um, yeah, I mean, that is, that is correct. But again, you know, whenever there is a new thing in the market, it, it goes through the process of adoption, right? And people need to think about it. Some people would reject it. Some people will like, okay, you know, it has to be generalized. That will work for everyone. If it's personalized, you don't know. I mean, if it's going to, to work or not, because it's very specific, some people know the benefit of it. So it's kind of like an educational curve, um, that the market needs to uh, go through. Um, I mean, of course, there are going to be challenging uh, challenges in adoption for this technology. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, those those things will continue to be happening. I mean, I'll I'll give you an example of dental implant. Uh, I mean, you know, if you are going through the dental implant, right? Uh, I mean, you typically have to visit it, with, like visit the dentist, and uh, they will take the measurements and everything, right? I mean, scan it, um, and then figure out what would what would you require in terms of a crown or uh, uh, or a replacement or or a root canal, right? I mean, given whatever the situation is. But right now, I mean, if you go, I mean, you can actually get all of that done in just one visit. Uh, I mean, traditionally, it would require you to go through multiple visits. Um, and uh, I actually have a crown, which is 3D printed. Uh, I got it long time back. And uh, I I was not really 
uh, in the mood to get it because the doctor were like, okay, we're gonna actually print it and then we'll implant it today. I'm like, are you, are you, are you sure? I mean, I work in medical device industry, so I, <laughs> I understand the complexity. I understand the risk management tied to it, but are you sure it's reliable? I mean, uh, the and, and they actually showed me the technology. They actually showed me uh, what they have done and all that. That kind of like helped me um, build a little bit of more confidence. And, uh, and think about it like a person who has who does not even work in this industry, who does not know anything about it, how would that person react? I mean, that person definitely is going to reject it most likely. Um, and they are like, no, 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 I'll just go with traditional uh, approach and, uh, and, and we'll follow that route. So it's kind of like that educational curve somebody needs to get through in order to adopt it. And I mean, I actually recently found out that I listed on my research paper on 3D printing as well is. Uh, I mean, a three-year clinical study uh, on dental implant actually showed over 95% survival rate. That is actually pretty tremendous and pretty good. So there are some good results coming out. But again, all of that needs to go through the learning curve for the market to really adopt and understand. As you say, do you actually think that's a larger hurdle in some ways than even the regulatory stuff? It's the fact that consumers have to accept this. I mean, yes. Uh, Yes and no in, in both ways. I mean, regulatory has its own challenges um, in terms of like um, defining the, the rules and the responsibilities around it, uh, how to control it, right? And the same thing goes with the artificial intelligence as well, right? I mean, all these, both technologies are going through the same processes. Um, and um, I think uh, in terms of market, yeah, I mean, if the people are not ready to adopt it, right? I mean, there is no use of the technology. Uh, so that is why, I mean, currently we are utilizing the technology in a little different way, um, not building the medical device, but again, supporting the medical device development. And I will, I will point out one thing, uh, which is listed um, on the Medtronic website, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, I mean, it states that in just one year, uh, nine years worth of R&D testing time is saved by 3D printing. So that means is that, I mean, whatever we needed to really develop and reiterate and look at the feasibility of the device, look at uh, how the device operate in a certain conditions, that had increased very, very uh, fastly. And we have literally reduced the timeline um, to, I mean, whatever the fold um, it is, right? Given whatever the, the intended use of the device is. So this means that there are like great advances in the field of medicine and it will get the healthcare to the patients much faster. So there are other ways to really, you know, I mean, improve the process. If you think about traditional channel, I mean, sometime it could take from a couple of years to up to a decade to really develop and build a safe medical device. An implantable device could take up to 10 years, right? So, I mean, the patients are actually waiting to get the implantable device for 10 years. You know, what kind of things can happen in 10 years. Right. So there are there are other ways to really adopt the technology and then still be able to serve the purpose, what we are trying to do in terms of the industry. Yeah, but I think it's interesting because in the, the rocket propulsion industry or generally commercial space, we're seeing everybody adopt uh, 3D printing because it gets them to market faster. Right. Mm -hmm. And it saves them cost. And it's partially because it's a very competitive industry and partially also because it's well, NASA kind of gave everyone the numbers. so Everybody knows where to go. 
Uh, but we're seeing everyone adopt it just because it's cheaper to make new things. It's faster to make new things. And in some cases, it's cheaper. And also, you can make these specific geometries. Almost mm-hmm. all of these things are the same for medical devices. Do you really think it's going to be a determining technology for medical devices in, in an essence that if company A really adopts 3D printing in a really uh, you know, widespread way, they could actually you know, innovate faster and out-innovate company B, who is not as fast at adopting 3D printing? Yeah, I think if we, if you look at the different industry, I mean, aerospace and all the construction industry, I mean, the material they use is, they have actually a wide range of material that they can choose to build their product, um, right? Because again, the, the harm tied to it, or I mean, the kind of like risk those that could go with those are fit form and function, right? I mean, is it fitting well? Is it is it performing what it's supposed to be, right? So those things, but in terms of medical device, those fit form and function 3F becomes very challenging because there are only specific and limited material that we have um, and that's what we need to operate on. And qualifying and really assessing the material and any chemical that comes in contact with it becomes a bit challenging, right? If you think about what we need to do in terms of qualifying a material is we go through the biocompatibility process. Biocompatibility is like, screening your medical device for any any chemicals or any leachable that could be toxic to humans. Um, and that process is pretty rigorous already. It could take up to, I mean, the, the one study could take just six months. And then there is a cancer study we need to do, carcinogenic study we need to do, which is like detecting, I mean, if this product could lead to a cancer, right? So all of that could take years worth of information. That is why the, the development and the innovation in terms of material is very slow. And if we can have something, right? I mean, there had been a lot of research happening, right? I mean, in terms of implantable material, there is a nitinol, which is pretty, uh, I mean, pretty uh, open. Um, I mean, in terms of kind of like reliability of the, of the material is, everyone uses it for your implantable devices in terms of stent um, and then craft material and all that. Uh, so similar to that, I mean, other things would, would require to go through the same process. The material is definitely challenging. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, of course, if a company A comes up with something um, that could impact the company B too. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time to go through all of that process and to really adopt to that. So, but again, at the end, we need to think about, is this effort that we are going through, is it really worth? Right? Is it is it really serving the need of patient? Do we actually have this much time? Because again, business exists to, of course, make money, right? And if we are not really spending and uh, spending and spending and putting our efforts into developing a device which could get to the patient faster in a nice and uh, and easy way, um, I mean, three D printing could pose a challenge um, in that direction. That hey, it's gonna take us long time to really do it. Um, but I mean, of course, we'll get there but are we ready to really explore this field or not? Yeah, I think you see the challenge. And what, what are the, some of the specific challenges in medical devices for more quality uh, for, for, for 3D printing specifically? What, what are the things that, that are kind of really difficult, let's say, for us? Uh, I think three things that, that I would want to highlight. One thing we talked about is the validation. Um, so the material, I mean, the equipment needs to be validated. And in the traditional method, I mean, you know, there are there are a lot of products then that 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 we build and that goes through the quality inspection and then that get tested and you can maintain um, the variability that way and then qualify. But in three D printing, I mean, it has small batches that you produce, right? Or or maybe one or two unit that that you produce. I think the challenges what we have been hearing is is the capability to introduce the variability due to manufacturing 
um, and uh, the impact of that on the reliability, long-term reliability of the product um, is an issue because you don't know, I mean, what kind of like tiny variation you are, you are dealing with there. I mean, you would have to build probably good amount of, um, good amount of uh, units to really study and assess that. And do we have the luxury to do that? Maybe or maybe not, right? If, if the intended use permits us to do that, then we can certainly do that. Um, and another way is, I mean, if it's an implantable product, I mean, that would require a long-term stability uh, prior to defining effectiveness and the safety profile of the device. So that is another challenge. Um, and the third thing is, is the material, uh, which you mentioned right time and the different quality of the print. Since every technology uses different material um, and the property vary across uh, from plastics to polymer to metals. Um, and uh, all of that will define the safety profile in medicine um, and they are depending on their use. So those are, are some of the challenges in the manufacturing that we are currently um, experiencing. And plus on top of that, the regulatory challenges because we need to help them understand how we are controlling the quality of the product. So that's another challenge um, that, that we are running into. But is one of the, how are you solving that as a company? Because you have to find these people that are like medical device trained and also additive people that those people are like really difficult to find, right? I mean, it's good for you, I think, for your career process. Yeah. But, but I think, is it really difficult for a company to, to kind of find the right kind of people to do that? Because we have the same thing as well in aerospace where we're getting that overlap is not, is not that great. And I think it's even smaller in, in uh, medical device. Yeah, so I mean, across across the Medtronic, I mean, of course, we have the we we do have the luxury of having, I mean, best scientists and engineers around the world. Um, we have dedicated people who are actually working on on this thing, and uh, we do have the the option to really partner with someone outside. I mean, who are actually working on something similar, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, completely agree. It is it is it is very difficult to to really find the people. I think for two reasons. One is um, the population or the subset of people who are actually specialized in this area are, are very limited, right? Um, and then the second is, um, are they willing to really uh, switch and try something new in a different company? Um, so those are definitely the risks and challenges uh, what we have. I mean, in, in, in my terms, uh, we had used someone outside to really develop some of the tools that we are developing for our process improvement that we are going through. And for those tooling, I mean, a contract manufacturer um, uh, would produce it exactly the way we would want it, and then we will get through it. But hiring someone internally, bringing all the equipment in is a little bit challenging for a small scale to mid scale companies, but a company like Medtronic, I think those are some of the areas where, where we can really leverage um, um, the company-wide across expertise. Um, so there are, there are certain businesses who are exploring uh, areas, we have multiple, and 3D printers, which are running like 24-7 to serve the need for different, different businesses across the company. You know, from a quality point of view, like, uh, you know, these metals and, and some of these polymers, we've been working for, with these for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at, at like, uh, no, and, and I read your paper, the latest paper you wrote about like these 3D printed organs and stuff like that. That also from a quality or quality assurance kind of point of view also seems like it could be really, really challenging. <laughs> It is, <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, that is actually one of my area, which which I'm 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 really deep into. So I mean, I mean, printing a heart valve and bioprinting an organ. I mean, mm-hmm. those areas are pretty critical and serious. And I think so far you may have seen. I mean, 
uh, the transplantation of organ and the research behind it is it is very very deep and very niche. So what you need to do is you need to understand. I mean, what kind of challenges you could run into, uh, uh, and then you could avoid those by printing and human heart valve um, that has literally the same stiffness, same anatomical architecture, right? Same biomaterial, and then you can you can decide, right? I mean, how would it impact a certain patient if you implant it in that way, right? Uh, I believe, or maybe I have not seen currently, or maybe something is out there where you are actually uh, trying and implanting those bioprinted organ. I mean, those could be a possibility, but again, those are an implantable, right? I mean, those are those are literally kind of like I mean, bioprinting organ, which are not I mean natural. So the reliability and uh, uh, the the safety around is is still up in the air. Um, but again, what it does really is that it, it improves the possibility of safe transplantation because you would understand all the like different um, vasculature of the heart and then understanding what kind of variability that you are running into and the physician practice on those things ahead of time and then do the actual transplantation of natural organs um, by practicing on this 3D printing uh, human heart valve. So that's how that's how this area is being helping. And the other area I think, which is currently in development, or I heard, I mean, there are there are some good progress happening is synthetic skin. Um, I mean, that is gonna help a lot of patients who are suffering from burn injuries, right? So that area is is pretty pretty important and critical. And I do see a lot of lot of things happening in this area. And 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 in terms of like three D printing technology, I mean, for us, it's all it's kind of like well, since inception almost or not since inception, but the, the, a lot of the commercialization on, on the implant side, also even surgical instrumentation, and has been on the powder bed fusion side for metal and also uh, for polymers as well. Do you see any kind of scope for other technologies? Like for example, material extrusion, binder jet seems like a really long shot really, but but do you, do you mm -hmm. see like that some of these technologies may be promising for you? Yeah, I think I think the, the metal 3D printer is, is, is a possibility. Uh, but I think it is being less currently used. I don't see, I have seen any, any much uses um, currently given, I mean, like I said, I mean, those needs to be understood and needs to be done properly. Uh, but, but yes, I think compared to polymer, I think uh, polymer really have a, have a long sort. I mean, I think we can, we can kind of like make a uh, process improvement through that way compared to the metal. Uh, metal is something I believe the medical device industry overall is kind of like looking at it because there are a lot of like metal printed uh, tooling or or part that goes into medical devices that could be very very useful. Um, but but yeah, in terms of polymer, I think polymer does have a way because a lot of like you said, I mean there are a lot of extruded tubes um, that are that have different different stiffness profile um that could be pretty useful a lot of like uh, extruded material injection molding uh, processes um which are very very tightly controlled in terms of temperature specifically for medical devices that has uh, has a lot of good opportunities and you know i mean qualifying uh, a mold um takes long time and those are expensive too um so those areas are currently being explored currently um and if you think of there are a lot of medical devices which are like class 2 devices such as catheters, uh, which are purely built of, um, of polymer, right? Um, it just had, have a different stiffness from the proximal to the distal end. Uh, I mean, those could see greater benefit. And technically, I mean, if you can build a technology that can build the entire device for you, I mean, 
having the metal part in it, having, having the polymer on top of it, and it will serve the intended use. I mean, that's great. Because if you think about medical device, not every medical device is as risky as implantable. Some devices stay in touch with patient only for a few hours, maybe like four to 10 hours, right? When you are using it. So what risk could it pose? I mean, you have to think about all of that and then do the risk analysis and then define it. So if the, if the 3D printing would help minimize those risks and help, uh, help save the cost, I think the business would want to really go in that direction and explore that technology. Yeah. And speaking of polymers for class three style, like with PCL, I've seen a lot of stuff about implanting with PCL material and because it's degradable within the human body that you could use it as like shunts and things of that nature. Is that something that we could be printing in that kind of material or is that still iffy because of regulatory reasons? Um, I think there are, there are specific uh, polymer that we currently use. Um, I mean, that that are currently adoptable easily. Uh, but I think the other one that you are mentioning about, I, I don't think I have heard that one being used in medical device. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if there is a possibility and then it passes and it has a biocompatibility profile, uh, then, then for sure, I mean, there are options. But again, changing a material is not that easy. Um, I think that's the point I was trying to make earlier. I mean, understanding the material and then qualifying a completely new material um, and then showing the biocompatibility profile of that material has to go through long process before it can be adopted. And even um, the process goes through the assessing the biocompatibility, there are still challenges because it hadn't been used in the market yet. It hadn't been used uh, over uh, in any patient. So what kind of thing that could see in the real world? I mean, those are still happening. Biocompatibility is a bit of a subjective field. Uh, it's not uh, kind of like an objective where you say, oh, it passes, uh, you would not see anything in the field. I mean, things could go wrong. I mean, things could 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 um, could go in a different direction. Um, and those are the right. things. You could, you could not get absorbed or something. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I think that's interesting. I mean, and and do you think that that's like because I think the interesting thing about being being a medical device is you're always kind of like safety plus innovation. There's always like a really kind of very very thin line between those things and between. Very true. You know, and also as a quality person, are you kind of the guy dragging everybody down? Or are you like always like, or is, uh, are you like kind of like trying to, trying to make everyone go slower? Is that, how, how's that kind of that line to walk inside a business and also inside uh, just an industry, right? Correct, correct. I mean, quality is definitely, I mean, a little bit more more close to in assuring the safety, like you say, is one of the, one of the critical thing. Um, I mean, we, I mean, quality could be kind of like a, a source stopper for a lot of things. Uh, if we are not meeting certain thing or trying to justify it. Uh, but again, I mean, quality and safety and innovation, I mean, that goes hand in hand, right? Uh, we need to understand to kind of like figure out both way. So, I mean, since the design assurance kind of thing, so design assurance basically means, right? I mean, you are building the quality in the product, right? You mm -hmm. are not verifying the quality after you build the product. So, right, mm -hmm. I mean, so that is where we come into the picture and then defining how can you do that, right? I mean, what kind of things you need to really do to build the quality in a product? I mean, select the right material, define the right specifications, right? So all those, uh, I mean, tiny things, uh, we kind of work together. And then, I mean, thinking about quality from the get-go is something which is very important. Uh, it's not like, hey, we pick the material and then you are trying to do all of that and trying to fit into your 
your quality checklist and see how many it would meet, right? It goes other way around. So quality and, and innovation goes right from the beginning in terms of defining the objectives, defining the detail, and then we follow that process in figuring out um, what you really need in order to achieve your intended use at the end of the day. Um, and uh, I mean, um, working in Medtronic, I think that's that's how it is set up. And uh, we, we, we also, we always say that, I mean, quality is just not quality people responsibility with their title, right? It is everyone's responsibility to think about it. So that's, that's, the, that's the right way to really approach. And I think that's, that's how everyone operates. And what do you hope for 3D printing? If you're looking like, you know, ahead the next couple of years, what do you hope 3D printing can achieve uh, in your field or a further field? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, currently uh, two areas which, which I had the pleasure on working on um, and exploring is, is the tooling and also um, the anatomical model. Those two were the immediate um, field that we saw a great impact. Uh, I think in the near, near term, uh, some of the surgical instrument that I'm talking about uh, would be very, very helpful. Dental implant is definitely um, going in, the, in this direction. Um, and uh, the heart valve and bioprinting organ is something I think that's going to take a great advantage of 3D printing as we are learning uh, and through the currently printed heart valve and their anatomical architecture. Um, and I think in the, in the near term or in the next few years, um, I think the regulations uh, would improve uh, quite a bit better that would help uh, industry, all the companies in the industry uh, to really figure out how to really implement that technology in their house. Um, and that is pretty important because if you think of, um, of a small and, med, uh, small and uh, mid-sized companies, I mean, they basically rely on all these standards, all this guidance that they currently don't have. Um, the other companies, big companies could, could build those and could have an influence on the industry, uh, but the small company does not have the luxury of those. So those areas would improve um, greatly. Um, and then, I mean, material is another area uh, which, which I'm hoping um, that, would, um, that would serve a greater purpose in terms of um, improving uh, the material uh, profile or at least identifying something which could be used like universally in a different different medical purposes and intended use and um, I think uh, yeah I think those 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 could be pretty much it but yeah I mean I think it has it has really really great positive impact uh, that could have um, um, a great impact on the patient but I think it's going to take a little bit of time to really fully understand um, how this impacts uh, the patient's and the companies in the long-term care. Yeah, AJ, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Joris. Thanks, everyone. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, the invitation. Anytime, anytime. And and Max, thank you for keeping your car on the road and everything. <laughs> thank you for uh, yeah. <laughs> putting up with us. <laughs> all good, dude. All good. And, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. Have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.